The Rookie is a free serialized audiobook meant for mature audiences. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. For links to order a young adult version of this book without all the cussing, in print, ebook, or audiobook, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie one word. This podcast contains mature situations, adult language, and lots and lots of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, you wonderful, wonderful junkie. As I mentioned last week, I have finished the final draft of Shakedown. Book one of the Crypt series, so this week I'm chilling out just a little bit. Today, for example, I worked on cleaning up our garage. It was quite satisfying. This delay won't last long, though, as I have thousands of back emails to get through, and next week I begin working on a project that I'm not allowed to discuss. It's a novel. That's all I can tell you. What you are about to hear is the second-to-last episode of the Rookie Adult Version. One more episode after this, and then we are... Done. So if you have questions about The Rookie, the GFL, or the Siglerverse in general, feel free to email those questions to info at emptyset.com. We'll be answering those questions live on our November 30th live stream. You can join us for those festivities. It's at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. GMT on November 30th, 2022. You can watch it live at facebook.com slash Sigler, twitch.tv slash Sigler and youtube.com slash scottsigler. And at all three of those locations, you can chat with us. You'll be able to see the chat from the other junkies on the overall live stream. Coming out with a real girl herself, with me, and all the junkies. And uh, I think you'll have a really good time. As for this episode, the rookie episode number 26, it's cursetastic. So many follow words in this one. It's uh, it's a little bit crazy. Uh, it, there's some very questionable dialogue in this one. Uh, hopefully you will enjoy it. The episode does cut off kind of abruptly, so don't be surprised when it ends. It will pick up exactly where it left off next week in episode number 27, which again is the final episode. Let's get you caught up on the story so far, and then we're all going to chuck wood until the woodchucker comes. Previously on The Rookie. The loss of Mitchell, the machine fed, put the Krakens in a big hole. They need just one more win to advance to Tier 1. Quentin volunteered to play running back to fill the gap, with Don Pine lining up at QB. Can this unlikely combo get the win and move Ionath into the big time? Find out next on The Rookie, episode number 26. Thanks, caller. Great point about the reliability of El Rahim. You know, Akbar, in all the commotion over Fayed's death, we've kind of overlooked the quality performances in some of the Kraken players. That and with the quarterback controversy. Well, luckily, the quarterback controversy is over. It is? Of course it is. Okay, then who won it? Barnes, for crying out loud. Barnes is starting against the Earthlings. And that means the controversy is over? You saw him last week. Barnes was sensational. Sure, against the Quith survivors. But my mother-in-law could pass on the Quith survivors. Come on, Dan. Just admit it. Barnes is the man. Are you insane? Are you completely brain damaged? 
The kid couldn't cut it against the war pigs. Pine had to come in and bail him out. So he had one bad game. He throws interceptions. He's the friggin' king of interception land. And now you think he's the man? But Pine's not even practicing with the team. That's just a rumor. My sources say it's true. He's not practicing at all. Then it's a head game. Don't you morons see that? Hokor is up to his old tricks again. So what are you saying? Pine should start? Damn right. <sighs> so he can choke again like he has the last two years? He does seem to blow the big games. It's the playoffs. You know, where teams play other teams that are pretty damn good? Oh, come on, Dan. Pine couldn't finish a hot dog without choking on it. He won two Galaxy Bowls. Oh, not that again. Screw you, Tarot, and screw you, Akbar. Next caller, damn it. Next caller! The Krakens gathered in the dimly lit tunnel of Hudson Field. The 250,000 fans crowded into the stadium stamped their feet in unison. The walls and the floor vibrated from the bloodthirsty beasts stomping. Quentin felt nearly mad with the hunger of battle. He was stepping into it this time, taking the hand-to-hand -hand combat into the field instead of sitting behind his wall of key linemen. The Earthlings would come after him relentlessly, literally trying to knock him out of the game. Cheap shots would abound. He knew damn well he was in for the beating of his life, but he was gonna give as good as he got. Introducing the champions of the Human Conference, please welcome the Texas Earthlings! The crowd's choreographed stomping evaporated, replaced by the Nova-like roar of mostly human fans. It was a hostile environment. The broadcasters had estimated 200,000 of the fans were Texas Earthling supporters. Another 20,000 were Kraken's faithful, and the remaining 30,000 were mostly fans from other teams in the Human Conference. Although Hudson Bay Stadium was supposedly a neutral site, it all added up to a nice home game for the Earthlings. The Kraken swayed back and forth. One organism, one collective brain, set on grabbing the prey and tearing it to shreds, tearing it apart with tooth and claw and tentacle and rasper and bare hands. Society slipped away to some abstract concept. For now, there was only the battle. There was only the intense, primitive pleasure of destroying another sentient being. Damn those who stood in the Kraken's way. And now, the champions of the Quith Radiated Conference, the Ionath Krakens! Quentin waited for Pine to call out for the team, to rally them into one cohesive, violent machine, ready to crush and punish, and if need be, to kill. But instead of his trademark leader's voice, Pine said only one soft sentence. Quentin, it's your team now. You lead us out. 43 sets of eyes turned to look at Quentin, who wore a warm-up jacket over his uniform. Pine's words filled Quentin with raw emotion. It was his team now, now and forever, Pine had passed the torch in full view of his teammates. He wasn't a rookie anymore. He was the battle-hardened leader of this team, the general who led his soldiers into war. 
He'd fought and bled with these beings, won and lost with these beings, felt ultimate joy and faced the ultimate sadness. Somewhere during the season, and he didn't know when, Quentin Barnes had become a man. The team waited for Quentin to speak. He looked quickly from player to player, taking the time to measure up each Kraken's emotion, and they were all ready to go. Instead of talking, he slipped off his warm-up jacket to show the white jersey underneath. Instead of his number 10, the black numbers with orange trim read number 47. Fayed's jersey. I've only got one thing to say. Fuck the Earthlings. A brief pause. Yes, then a yes, barbaric yes, yes. so loud it made the 250,000 being crowd sound weak by comparison. The Kraken shot out of the tunnel like the fiery breath of some legendary dragon. They raced onto the surface, which was made up of a lush, thick, emerald green plant marked with bright white stripes and numbers. It was finer and softer than McCovey's Carsenji grass. Quentin's mind raced not with thoughts, but a lack of thoughts, a mental blankness created by a primitive violence that suffused his every last atom. He walked out onto the center of the field for the coin toss. Haywick on his left, John Tweedy on his right. Azeeb waited at the 50-yard line, right in the middle of the multicolored GFL logo painted onto the lush green grass. On the other side of the Zeeb waited their enemy, Case Hot Pepper Johansson, the Earthlings quarterback, and Choco Fillet, their all-pro defensive tackle. The Earthlings wore bright red jerseys with blue letters and silver trim, blue leg armor with silver piping, and silver helmets decorated with a blue-trimmed white star. Johansson pointed at Quentin's jersey. What's with the numbers change, boy? Quentin just stared back. Johansson had played three seasons of Tier 1 ball with the Earthlings before their fall from grace last season down into Tier 2. Don't you know it's bad luck to wear a dead man's number? Johansson's face twisted into a half-smile, half-sneer. You just keep talking, douchebag! Tweedy growled. You're wearing a dead man's number! You just don't know it yet! Johansson likes it up the ass scrolled across Tweedy's forehead. Johansson's sneer faded, briefly, but it faded nonetheless. The hotshot quarterback's attentions turned from Quentin to John Tweedy, who just stared and grinned his I'm-not-quite-sane grin. Johansson didn't say anything else. The Zeeb spoke, his voice amplified by the stadium loudspeakers so that it cracked like the sound of the high one himself. The Krakens are the visiting team. Who will call the toss for the Krakens? She will, Quentin said, pointing at Haywick. She had been given that duty, and she shook with an intense fervor. Quentin didn't understand how the coin toss factored into the Sklorno's strange religion, but apparently it was an honor that surpassed even the cathartic thrill of catching a long touchdown pass. This is head. The Zeeb showed a metal coin with a picture of a Kretorakian head. This is Tails. He flipped the coin to show the stylized planet, Kretorak. Call it in the air. The Zeeb tossed the coin high. The coin bounced on the grass, flipped three times, then landed flat. Heads. <laughs> Haywick collapsed and lay on the ground, quivering. Krakens win the toss. Do you wish to receive or do you defer? We want the ball. Tweedy pointed straight at Johansson, who no longer looked so cocky. 
A stay of execution, motherfucker. I look forward to killing you soon. Quentin and Tweedy picked up Haywick and carried her to the sidelines. Quentin let out a slow, controlled breath. He wouldn't have long to wait. One quick kickoff, and he'd be on the field, squaring off against Choco Fillet and the other Earthlings defenders. Adrenaline poured through Quentin's veins, so thick it might have spilled out of his pores and dripped onto the green grass at his feet. He tried to breathe slow, but found it difficult. His breath came in shallow, ragged gasps. He blinked rapidly, gritting his teeth, waiting for the coming battle. A hand on his shoulder, Don Pine. Relax, kid. Pine's smile was easy and genuine. We're going to do this together. Once you get that first hit, you'll be fine. Quentin turned back to the field. The Earthlings kicked off. The ball sailed through the air. Richfield jogged back past the goal line, her eyes fixed on the tiny brown dot in the sky. Just take a knee, Pine said, more to himself than anyone else. The ball descended as the Kraken special teamers formed up into the wall. The ball thunked down into Richfield's arms at the very back edge of the end zone. She looked up, hesitated for half a second, then ripped forward at a dead sprint. No, man, don't do that! Quentin just watched. Earthlings' wall breakers smashed into the Kraken's wedge at the 10-yard line. Bodies flew in all directions. Richfield ran up into the wall and disappeared amongst the carnage. Well, there goes field position. Pine's sentence died on his lips as Richfield popped out the other side, untouched and moving at top speed. In the blink of an eye, she passed the 30, then the 40, and moved across midfield. Slap my ass and call me Sally. Sklorno Earthlings took deep angles of pursuit. Surge Tanaki, the Earthlings kicker, ran upfield, trying to cut down Richfield's running angles. She ran right at him, cut once to the left, then to the right, then to the left again. Tanakian matched the first move, stumbled on the second, and fell face first on a third. Richfield shot by him. She sprang ten feet into the air as a Sklorno defender leapt for her feet. One last red and blue clad Sklorno angled between Richfield and the end zone. She didn't cut this time. She reached out a hard tentacle as the two players met at the ten, stiff-arming her foe. They ran side by side for another five yards. Then the defender, knocked off balance by the stiff arm, fell to the ground. Richfield went into the end zone, standing up. Quentin looked back downfield, but there were no flags. Touchdown, Krakens! Richfield scores on a 108-yard kickoff return, a new playoff record! The extra point team ran onto the field. The Krakens had just taken a huge jump, but Quentin found it hard to be excited. He still had to wait for that first hit, and he had to pee. El Rahim knocked in the extra point. The first play of the game. Kraken 7, Earthlings 0. Quentin tried to draw a full breath while the kickoff team took the field. El Rahim nailed a low squib kick. Hokor didn't want a long return that might give the Earthlings momentum. Utgard, the Earthlings kick returner, handled the line drive kick and brought the ball back to the 28-yard line before being brought down. John Tweedy and company took the field. As Quentin looked at the defense, Tweedy, Virak the Mean, Chodo the Bright, Michnik and Komeni, Mayanikol and Periat, Quentin felt a pang of sorrow for Johansson. Those seven players had thought nothing for the last week other than the total destruction of the Earthlings quarterback. Quentin figured the Earthlings defense had probably done the same thing, preparing for him. But how would they react 
when he lined up at tailback and Donald Pine took the snaps. The Earthlings started out running, a sweep to Pookie Chang. Virak the Mean drove through two blockers and brought Chang down for a one-yard loss. Johansson tried a simple out pass on the next snap, but Berea broke up the play. On third and long, Tweedy crowded the line, showing blitz all the way. Johansson dropped back. Tweedy's blitz drew the fullback block, and Komeni broke through almost immediately. Johansson felt the pressure and calmly threw the ball out of bounds. Three plays and out. Quentin had to pee so bad he could barely stand up straight. Here we go, kid, Pine said as he pulled on his helmet. It's showtime. Richfield vibrated with anticipation as the punt sailed through the air, but it had excellent hang time, and she was forced to call for a fair catch at the Kraken's 35. Quentin and the Kraken's offense ran onto the field for the first time. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Just what in the heck is going on here, Masera? I don't know, Chick, but it looks to me like Donald Pine is calling the play in the huddle. But I thought Pine wasn't even practicing with the team. That's what everyone was told, Chick, but Kraken's coach Hokor the Hookchest and Earthling's coach Patta the Calculating are two of the trickiest strategists in the game. Word has it that Patta the Calculating has something up his many sleeves. He wouldn't allow any media in his practices for the last two weeks. And as for Pine not practicing with the team... Maybe Hokar was just being disingenuous. Hey now, easy with the big words, Miss Sarah. It's not a big word. It's a very common... Hold on there, vocabulistic Vinny. The Krakens are lining up for the play. And what the heck? That's Mitchell Fayad's number in the backfield. Someone get a close-up of that guy. Well, grease me up like a well-used sock monkey, Miss Sarah. That's Quentin Barnes, a tailback. Is he crazy, chick? The defense will tear him apart. Well, this makes about as much sense as a Sklorno receiver walking unclothed into a bedbug convention. But it's definitely a new wrinkle that I don't think the Earthlings are ready for. The defense looks a bit anxious, Chick. That they do, Masera. Like the mother of three hot triplets who just realized her jailbait daughters are well into puberty and drawing the attention of the Void Bike gang next door. Chick, take it easy. Sorry, Masera. Sorry, folks at home. Here go the Krakens in I formation. 
Quentin lightly rested his hands on slightly bent knees. He stood directly behind Tom Perilous, who crouched in a three-point stance. Donald Pine looked down the left side of the line, then right, barking out the signals. Blue 16! Blue 16! The play was an off-tackle left, away from Choco Thillet, a strategy that Krakens would try to follow for most of the day. No point in wasting time. Quentin had to pop his cherry if he was going to be of any use at tailback. All right, hunt! Pine turned as Perilous drove to the left. Quentin followed him, his eyes fixed on the ball held in Pine's outstretched hands. Don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble. Quentin raised his right elbow high, the back of his hand on his chest. His left hand rested against his lower stomach, thumb pointing forward, the way he'd been taught to take a hand off. Pine stabbed the ball towards his stomach, holding it so that the ball's points were parallel to Quentin's body. Quentin's left hand cupped the bottom of the ball as his right elbow snapped down, trapping the ball between his thick forearms. Only after he felt the ball was snugly in place did he look up to run. Perilous pushed through the hole and notched a solid fit in the linebacker. Quentin ran straight into the hole. Like some evil magical portal, the hole instantly vanished. Defenders appeared in front, on his right and left, Quentin put his head down and drove forward. Wham, wham! Two hits in rapid succession. One from the left and the next from the right as the defensive tackle and then the middle linebacker smashed into him. Quentin's right arm went instantly numb, but he held onto the ball as the two big bodies dragged him down. He wound up on his back, looking straight up into the face of his countryman, Alonzo Castro. What in the hell could you be thinking, boy? Alonzo asked a look of concern on his face. You need to get your ass back behind that big offensive line of yours. You're going to get hurt. Quentin's right arm felt all tingly and hot, not in any shape to push Alonzo away. So he laid still and tried to play it cool. Good to see you again, but if anybody's going to get hurt, it's going to be you when I run your ass over. Alonzo laughed. Not an evil laugh, but as if an old friend had told him a good joke. He stood and reached out a hand. We'll see about that, Quentin. He helped Quentin off the ground. Quentin ran back to the huddle. He could barely move his arm, but the tingling feeling was already fading away. If that was the best hit Alonzo had to offer, Quentin thought he might make it through the game after all. He ran to the back of the huddle to stand in the tailback spot, thinking how strange it was to watch someone else call the play. That someone else was Don Pine, and he didn't look happy. Quentin! Take it easy when I hand you the goddamn ball. You almost took my hand off. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Don't sweat it. All right, you feel better now? The question confused Quentin for just a second. Then he realized the butterflies were gone, and he no longer had to pee. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. Pine nodded. Just once. Then his eager eyes swept the offensive players. All right. They're confused by Quentin, and they'll be looking for him. So we go to play action towards Choco Thillet. Hot pass to Warburg. At least someone will throw me the ball. Shut up, racist. Keep your mouth shut in my huddle. You got that? Warburg glared, but nodded. All right, everybody, on two. On two. Ready? Break! Quentin lined up in the I formation once again. Pine barked out the signals. The linemen smashed together. Quentin drove to the right. Left hand high in his chest, left elbow high. Pine stabbed the ball towards his stomach again, and Quentin brought his forearms together. Except this time... There was no ball at his stomach. 
He put his head down and leaned forward, charging into the line. He ran just outside Wenaderet's right side. The hit came from his right, enough to spin him around, and then a freight train smashed into his chest. The world spun in a wild circle, and something hit him hard in the left shoulder. It took him a full second before he realized that that last hit had been him hitting the ground. Quentin gazed up into the black eyes of Chocothillet, who looked down at him the way a spider looks at a bug caught in its web. Alonzo's grinning head appeared next to Chocothillet's. Doesn't he just hit like a motherfucker? My grandma hits harder, Quentin said, although his voice cracked just a bit when he said it. Alonzo helped him up once again. In the huddle, the Krakens were excited and eager for the next play. Quentin realized he had no idea if the play had been successful. He looked at the scoreboard, first and ten on the Earthlings' 44. Warburg stood and looked back at Quentin. So that's what it's like to catch a fucking pass! Pine reached out and slapped Warburg hard in the head. God damn it, Warburg, you shut your pie hole! Warburg turned and bent, leaning over in standing huddle position so the players behind him could see Pine. All right. Now we go for the throat. Beast at 22 post. Hey, Wick, I'm putting the ball in the air whether you're covered or not, so you fucking go get it or I'll never throw you another pass as long as you live. A silence filled the huddle. Quentin just stared, amazed at Pine's ruthlessness. It would have been like telling a holy man that if he didn't catch the ball, he'd be damned to hell by St. Stewart himself. Haywick started to shake. You can shake all you want, sissy girl. Every defensive back on the field is going to know what's coming to you when I drop back. And that doesn't matter. You don't catch that ball. You are excommunicated from the Church of Donald Pine. Do you understand? Haywick's raspers rolled and unrolled involuntarily over and over again. Do you understand? Okay, on three, on three. Ready? Break! The Krakens lined up in a pro set which put Quentin five yards behind Pine and two yards to his left, Tom Perilous five yards behind Pine and two yards to his right. Warburg lined up at left tight end, and Scarborough split out left. Wide right, all alone, stood Haywick, still shaking. The defensive backs keyed on Haywick's shake. Toronto called the defensive audible. The backs shifted. Toronto moved up one yard off Haywick for woman-to-woman coverage, while Volgograd lined up 10 yards behind Toronto. Haywick was facing double coverage. Red 12! Red 12! Alonzo jumped forward after the call, lining up over the left guard and showing blitz. If he came, he was Quentin's responsibility. Alonzo stood quickly and pointed right at Quentin. Here it comes, pretty boy! Here comes the hurt! Alonzo squatted, fists shaking with adrenaline rage, eyes wide as a nocturnal predator. Hut, hut, hut! Pine took the snap and dropped back smooth as silk. Quentin stepped forward with one step to the left, legs bent and hands up in front of him. The left defensive tackle drove towards the center as Alonzo took a small step back and moved quickly to his right, away from center, and then drove forward. That's a linebacker stunt. The slashing defensive tackle drew blocks from both Shoto Thicket, the left guard, and Budishwek, the center. Warburg blocked the defensive end. Alonzo stepped up through the sudden opening, coming free and unobstructed, 
like a rabid bear cat. Block him, block him, or Pine goes down. Quentin stepped up and leaned forward. Alonzo bent forward at the exact same moment, bringing his right forearm forward in a vicious undercut. Quentin recognized the rip move at the last second. Alonzo would power by his right side and have a free shot at Pine. Quentin lunged to his right, desperately trying to correct his mistake. Alonzo Castro hit him with all of his considerable strength, driving his rip move from his feet through his thick thighs to his powerful arm, all with a strong twist of the hips to make the move as concussive as a heavyweight's knockout uppercut. Quentin was off balance from his desperate dive, and without his feet planted, he had no strength to counter the move. Alonzo's forearm hit him under the chin, lifting him off his feet and knocking him backwards. Quentin saw nothing but bright lights and felt a quick tug on his chin before his helmet spun through the air like a decapitated head. He landed on his ass and rolled backwards, feet overhead. The world spun around him, a blur of green grass and red leg armor. He felt a foot kick him in the ribs, then the weight of another player landing on top of him. Quentin rolled backwards one more time, then lay flat. There was a ringing in his ears, but there was also a roar. A roar of the crowd. Suddenly a hand grabbed his, yanking him to his feet. That was a great block, kid, Pine said, shaking Quentin's shoulders as he screamed in his face. We got him! What? What happened? Touchdown, kid! Touchdown! Quentin felt something in his mouth. He spit. His front right tooth landed in a clot of blood, red and white on the green. Oh, man, that's just never going to heal right. Quentin limped off the field. That's gotta be the greatest catch I've ever seen, Masara! Amazing! Amazing! Let's see the replay on this! You can see Haywick is double-covered from the get-go, Masara. Watch the move she puts on Toronto to get clear. But then she's still got Volgograd and woman-to-woman. She's totally covered. But if she's double-covered, why would Pine throw that ball, chick? He just put it up for grabs! Don Pine knows his players, Masara. He's always known his players. Watch Haywick go up in the air. Check the live analysis, Masara. The computer says she jumped 23 feet in the air. She jumped like her life depended on it. Something like that, Masara. But Volgograd is known for her leaping ability, and she actually got a hand on the ball. But watch Haywick rip it away from her. She went after that ball like a hooker diving after a tightwad trick. Chick, for crying out loud. Sorry, Masara. Sorry, folks at home. But watch her come down with it. She hit the ground upside down and still held on to the ball. And there you have it. The high priestess of the Church of Donald Pine puts the Krakens up by two touchdowns. And we're still in the first quarter. Quentin woke with a start. The smell of something acidic and horrible filling his nostrils. He twisted his face to avoid the stench, which seemed to follow his nose. He blinked a few times and saw that Doc was waving something in his face. Knock it off, Doc! Quentin pushed Doc's tentacle away. He looked around, realizing he was on the sidelines. What happened? You don't remember. Quentin started to shake his head and realized too late just how much it hurt to do that. No, I don't remember anything. You ran a sweep right and tried to cut back. Choco Thillet beat his block and laid you out. A sweep right? Yes. When? First drive of the second quarter. Second? The first quarter's over? Doc floated up to look Quentin in the eye. You don't remember the first quarter? I remember some of it. What's the last thing you remember? Haywick's touchdown. Quentin, you carried the ball five times for 16 yards after that. 
You don't remember it? Quentin thought for a second, then shrugged. No, I don't remember a thing. His head throbbed as if a miniature key were inside his brain, whipping jointed limbs to and fro in a dance of destructed gray matter. It felt as if someone were jabbing a screwdriver into the right side of his jaw. He gingerly touched there. No screwdriver, at least, but he couldn't be certain about the miniature key in his brain. The tip of his tongue played with the missing tooth. Man, I don't feel so good. How many tentacles am I holding up? Quentin squinted. At first, he saw four tentacle tips. Then his vision cleared, and the tentacle tips blended together into a solid shape. Ah, uh, a two. That's excellent. We'll patch you back up after the game. You're ready to go back in. That's what you think. Quentin looked at the ground. He definitely did not feel ready to go back in. He noticed the right side of his white jersey was stained pink and red with blood. Only then did he notice a tingling along his ribs. Left hand told the story. Right side rib armor ripped half away, temporarily patched with bulkhead tape. He slid his fingers under the shoddy repair job and felt the familiar texture of a nanosite bandage. He saw a tiny pair of yellow furred feet and looked up into the eye of Hokor the hook chest. Great job out there, Barnes. Are you ready for more? Quentin nodded. Just once, because nodding yes hurt almost as much as shaking his head no. Eh, uh, you just give me the ball, coach. Good, good. Well, you're really going to get the ball now. We're up 14 to nothing, so we want to keep the ball on the ground as much as possible and chew up the clock. Are you ready to take some real hits? Quentin raised an eyebrow. Uh, you mean I haven't already? They're going to try and force turnovers, so whatever you do, hold onto the ball. Hokor walked back to the edge of the field. The Kraken's defense was out on the field, but Quentin didn't have the energy to get up and watch. He took a deep breath and let out a heavy sigh. He had at least one more half of this to go. Kraken's fans were scattered around the stadium, with most sitting in the north end zone. The south end zone, however, was the sole domain of die-hard Texas Earthlings fans dressed in a sea of red, blue, and white. As the Krakens lined up at their own three-yard line, the fans roared as if a thousand mouths were pressed right up against Quentin's ear. Hind's shoulders shook as he called out the signals, but Quentin couldn't hear him. The Earthlings fans wanted a break, something good to happen for their team, which was down 14 to nothing. Quentin watched carefully. Pine's head bobbed down when he said hut, and the snap was on three. He had to time it right. There was no room for mistakes this close to your own goal line. One bob. Alonzo cheated up the line, his eyes locked on Quentin. Bob, bob. Even as Quentin ran right to take the handoff, he saw Choco Phillip driving inwards, a key tank chewing up flesh. When Adair had tried to stop him, but suddenly bent backwards at a funny angle, multi-jointed limbs spasming in a symphony of pain. Choco Thillet roared through the line, already a yard past the goal line. Quentin concentrated on taking the handoff. Once he felt the ball firmly in his arms, he put his head down and drove forward. It was like running into a swinging 600-pound wrecking ball. Every atom in his body jarred backwards. He couldn't see. He felt arms wrapping around him. Quentin spun to the right, his free hand viciously punching away. It hit some armor and glanced off. Arms tried to drag him down, but he kept pumping his legs, running with pure animal fury. 
Like hell, he'd be tackled for his safety. He felt key arms slip away, and he cut up field, only to feel a shoulder pad drive deep into his stomach and short but powerful human arms wrapping around his waist. The air shot out of his stomach, and his body jarred backwards, every atom shaking from the impact. His feet came off the ground, and he landed on his back, head snapping into the turf. Whistles blew. The crowd roared. He gasped for air, but nothing came in or out. He opened his eyes and looked at the ground. It was painted in Earthling's red. A safety. Kraken's 14, Earthling's two points for the safety. Alonzo pushed off him, looked to the sky, and screamed a primitive roar of triumph. Yeah! He looked down at Quentin and smiled. Good thing I'm a little small for a linebacker, or that hit might have actually hurt you. Quentin still couldn't breathe. He weakly lifted his right hand and flipped Alonzo the bird. Alonzo laughed just before his defensive teammates swarmed over him shouting excitedly in at least four different languages. Despite Doc's urging, Quentin refused to lie down. He knew that if he did, he just wouldn't get up. Not ever again. He'd just sleep for a long, long time. But Doc wouldn't put IVs in him if he stood, so he compromised and sat through Hokor's halftime adjustments. This is the game we wanted to play. Quentin held out his right arm allowing Doc to inject an IV needle. He watched the pointed needle slide into his skin, but didn't feel a thing. Fluids, Quentin. You're dehydrated. The defense has shut them down cold. We've allowed no offensive points. Can we keep it up? Fuck yes! Fuck yes, we can keep it up! Motherfucking Johansson talking shit! I said the only way that bitch gets off the field on the end of the game is on a stretcher! (laughs) The key linemen let out a roar of approval, banging their forearms against their chest armor. Another needle. This time, in his right arm. This is blood. You've lost a lot from those cuts on your ribs. We need to get your blood count back to normal. Offensively, we're doing okay. Anakitak, I know you're facing Choco Phillip, but you've got to step up. You've got to play above your level. You can't let him come through. Gwena <laughs> Darrett had been hurt on that play that gave the Earthlings a safety. After preliminary treatment on the sidelines, Doc had carted him to the locker room, and from there, a grab ambulance had rushed him off to Hudson Bay Hospital. Somebody had mumbled something about a severed nervous cord, a very serious key injury, but the team didn't talk about it. After the game, there would be plenty of time to either visit him in the hospital or mourn his death. And Nakatak, I know you can stop that big bastard. The veteran quarterback looked like he'd been mugged all over again. After Wena Derrett's injury, Choco Thillet had sacked Pine three times, each one more devastating than the last. And Nakatak, a backup tackle, just couldn't handle the defensive All-Pro's savage strength. You got to stop him. The honor of your family's riding on this. Anakatak suddenly sat up straighter. You know what he told me after that last sack? He put his face right against mine and said, Dijo Malakwi Yoka. Hey, Doc, what's that mean, what Pine just said? It loosely translates into, your lineman is my sexual prisoner. Quentin nodded slowly, appreciating the severity of the comment. In war times, when the key had fought each other, victors were known to rape male prisoners as a form of ultimate humiliation. I mean, can you believe he said that? Although, if you look at the beating I took on your Miss Blocks, it's hard to argue with him, isn't it? Suddenly, all eyes turned away from Anatak 
as if everyone in the room felt embarrassed for him. Yes, well, all right, that's enough of that. Let's get on with the halftime adjustments. Doc slid away to tend to the other players, leaving the needle sticking out of Quentin's arms. Masal the Efficient ran up, a new set of rib armor in his hands. The quith worker pulled away the blue bandages covering Quentin's wounds. They weren't quite healed yet, but they didn't have time to wait for that. Holcor walked through offensive adjustments, and Quentin tried to pay attention. But all he could hear, really, were the words, We're going to run the ball more, repeated over and over again. The Krakens weren't the only ones making halftime adjustments. The Earthlings received the second-half kickoff and ran it back to their own 37. They lined up in something that Quentin had never seen before. Two tight ends with three running backs lined up side-by-side, about five yards behind Johansson. Well, ain't that something, Itzhak said. It's the goddamn wing tee. Kraken's defenders shouted to each other, already nervous about the new formation. The Earthlings had not run this formation, not even once, all season long. The ball snapped. Quentin watched Johansson hand off to Pookie Chang. Pookie's big arms folded over the ball. He plowed into the line and disappeared into a pile of bodies. But there was no whistle. Johansson still had the ball. He'd faked the handoff to Chang. He put it into the hands of tailback Peter Loachi, who folded his arms around the ball the same way Chang had. Johnson rode the handoff, seemingly holding onto the ball as Loachi cut into the off-tackle hole. Johansson then ran to the sidelines, pretending to carry the ball. Every play's a triple threat, fullback, tailback, or quarterback. And the way they fold over the ball like that, you can't see if they have it or not. Most of the Kraken's defense had bought the fullback's dive, leaving plenty of room for Loachi, who broke through the line and cut up field. After a half of watching running back Pookie Chang's big body rumble along, the fleet-footed Loachi was like poetry in motion. At only 210 pounds, he was a featherweight. But man, could he move. Loachi chewed up 15 yards before Perth brought him down at the Kraken's 48. The Earthlings lined up in the wing tee again, and this time, Pookie Chang took the handoff. He popped through a tiny hole next to the center, moving forward at top speed. Tweedy had been watching Loachi and hadn't come forward. Chang hit like a big-shouldered boulder, knocking Tweedy flat on his ass. Chang stumbled on the fallen linebacker, giving Virak the mean time to drag him down after an eight-yard gain. The next play saw the same thing. The lineman and linebacker stepped up to stop Chang, but he didn't have it. Defensive backs converged on Loachi as Johansson rode him through the line. Loachi went down under Perth and Berea, but he didn't have the ball either. Suddenly, Johansson was cutting up the sidelines all alone. Stockbridge came from the far side of the field, her speed easily surpassing Johansson's. Instead of taking the hit, Johansson casually stepped out of bounds after a 37-yard gain. Shit, I bet it's been two centuries since anyone ran this offense. This could be trouble. The Earthlings lined up at the Kraken's three-yard line, once again in the two-tight-end wing tee. The Kraken's goal line defense packed around the line, shifting here and there still not sure how to set up to stop the new offensive attack. The ball snapped, and Johansson went through the cycle. Put ball in Chang's arms, put ball in Loachi's arms and ride him in, then run to the sidelines. Quentin tried to find the ball. Chang went down. 
Loachi's fake was bad. Johansson still had the ball, running for the corner of the end zone. Perth closed in on him, like a black and orange and white blur. But Johansson pulled up and threw a light pass to Loachi, who had released into the flat behind the streaking Perth. Wide open. Touchdown, Earthlings. Extra point, good. Kraken's 14, Earthlings, 9. On 3rd and 11 at the Kraken's 22, an knack attack went down again. Choco Phillip came through the line again, and Pine was sacked again. He came up bleeding from the right cheek, madder than Quentin had ever seen him. Pine reared back and threw the ball with all his strength at Choco Phillip, who was only five yards away. The ball smashed into Choco Phillip's helmet, then bounced high into the air. Choco Phillip turned and roared and ran at Pine, who snarled and drove forward, fists swinging. Whistles blew. The crowd roared. Quentin jumped on Choco Phillip's back. Zeeb swarmed in as players attacked each other. The game was suddenly a sea of legs and tentacles and raspers and red and blue and silver and orange and black and white. Whistles shrieked. Players swore in four different languages. Something hit Quentin in the back, right at the kidneys. He rolled off Choco Phillip and lay on the ground. Pine had his helmet off and was swinging it like a warhammer, blood coursing down his face, his white eyes wide against his red-stained blue skin. More black and white. Zebes poured out of the woodwork, at least 15 of them, flying in with stun sticks. Quentin heard the zap of the sticks, smelled burnt ozone, and saw players dropping. Choco Phillip fell from a dozen blasts, while Pine needed only two. When it was over, the Kraken's punt team came onto the field. 15-yard penalty, of course, for Pine's personal foul. The damn wing tee was like watching a living puzzle box. It was a magician's offense, sleight of hand and loathsome chicanery. Who had the fucking ball? Pookie Chang? Peter Loachi? Case Johansson? Was it a run? Was it a pass? The Earthlings marched downfield again, chewing up five and six yards a pop. The Kraken started to adjust, but the vanishing ball trick had them tackling the wrong player more often than not. Chang for six, Loachi for ten, pass for fifteen, Chang for another four. Twelve plays in seven minutes after the Kraken's post-fight punt, Pookie Chang carried it in from four yards out to give the Earthlings the lead. Without missing a beat, they lined up again in the wing tee for the two-point conversion. The Kraken's defense still didn't know how to stop that offense. Pookie Chang slipped through a trap block and walked into the end zone standing up. Earthlings 17, Kraken's 14. Quentin followed Tom Perilous into the hole. Perilous nailed a stumbling Alonzo, putting the linebacker into the ground. Quentin hurdled them both and tried to cut outside. Kipper the assassin, the Earthlings' outside linebacker, dove for him and grabbed his jersey, standing Quentin almost straight up as he tried to move forward. Jerong, the free safety, came in untouched like an armor-piercing bullet. She smashed into Quentin's ribs. He heard a crack from his pads and another snap from inside his body. He'd never been stabbed in the ribs, but he knew it had to feel just like this. Quentin lay on the ground, big hands clutched tightly around the football. They could kill him, but they could not make him fumble. His eyes scrunched tight with the agony in his side, and he waited for the med sled to cart him off the field. 
Someone kicked his leg. Quentin opened his eyes, squinting through the pain, to look up at Donald Pine. Get up, pussy! Pine had a blue bandage on his cheek. The cut had been deep, and despite constant application of nanocytes, it had opened up two more times. The front of his white jersey was a sheet of red. I said, get up, you fucking pussy! Quentin tried to blink away the pain. He had broken ribs. Broken ribs! I got broken ribs. And I fucking care. Now get your pussy rookie ass up and back in the huddle or I will kick you in those same damn ribs until you do. Quentin stared at Pine. He hated Pine. He had thought Pine was his friend, but it had been crazy to think that. He'd always hated Don Pine. Don Pine? Don Pine was a motherfucker. That's what Don Pine was. Quentin slowly hauled himself back to his standing position and followed Pine to the Kraken's huddle. The fourth quarter started just as the Earthlings took over the ball. They kept moving it forward, seemingly at will. Chang for five, Loachi for seven, Chang for another four. And then it happened. Johansson put the ball in Chang's belly as the thick running back slammed into the line. He then put it in Loachi's arms and rode the fleet-footed running back through the hole. Gwen had adjusted to the offense and now saw the pulling guard running past the off-tackle hole towards the outside. That meant Johansson had the ball. And Quentin wasn't the only one to see it. Virak the Mean saw it too. The Earthling's pulling guard moved forward to block Virak, but the Quith warrior dropped to all fours and stutter-stepped left, then right, then left again using his low center of gravity to create impossible lateral motion of a truly talented quith warrior. The guard matched the first two moves, but stumbled off balance and Virak shot past. He came free with a good five yards to pick up speed. Johansson tried to cut inside to avoid the reaching arms of Mumokiloe. He didn't see Virak until it was too late. Virak threw himself forward like a flying switchblade, his helmet smashing into Johansson's stomach. The quarterback went down hard. The ball popped free, but Pookie Chang hopped on it. Whistles blew. Johansson got up, slowly. He limped back to the huddle, barely able to walk on his right leg. The Earthlings tried running the wing tee a few more times, but everyone knew Johansson's limping ass wasn't going to carry the ball. With him removed as a threat, the Kraken's defense concentrated on Chang and Loachi. As the clock ticked past eight minutes left, the Earthlings punted the ball away and wouldn't run the wing tee again for the rest of the game. Pine got up slowly after his fifth sack. He was bleeding again, this time from a cut on his arm. At least he got up. An architect still lay on the ground, a limp tubular body with limp multi-jointed arms. A thin, recurring squirt of black blood jetted up from his back, like a little on-off geyser of oil. Choco Thillet had destroyed his second right tackle of the game. After starting out in their own 15, the Krakens had put together a 30-yard drive, but on third and long, Choco Thillet smashed through an ag attack and dragged Pine down. The Kraken's offense ran off the field to be replaced by the punt team as Doc's med sled floated an ag attack off the field. 
There was only five minutes left to play in the game. The defense had to come up with one more stop. The defense held. The Krakens got the ball back with two minutes and 12 seconds to play in the game. Ball on their own 35. Not that it mattered much to Quentin, because he knew that very soon he would be declared officially dead. He sat at the bottom of the pile, face down, the football pressing into his diaphragm, so much weight on top of him that he couldn't draw in a full breath. Not that that was necessarily a bad thing, because when he took a full breath, his ribs screamed and his chest ached with the effort. Another assassination attempt by Choco Thillet had torn away Quentin's second set of rib armor, along with more of his skin and blood. Doc said not to worry, though. He'd be fine after an hour in the rejuve tank. The injury wouldn't stop Quentin from finishing the game. Gosh, thanks, Doc. K.O. Kiwear was the third Kraken's guard to face Choco Thillet, and he wasn't doing much better than had Wenaderet or Anak attack. The weight lifted from Quentin's back one chunk at a time until the last player rolled off. Quentin pushed his way up. He didn't want to get up. He wanted to lay there, maybe take a nice nap. But he'd be damned before he'd show these fucking earthlings one more ounce of weakness or pain. Hey, champ, how you holding up? Alonzo asked. It's not going to stop, you know. Maybe you should just stay down. Then you better quit fooling around and dig out your A-game. Quentin stood tall and walked back to the huddle, ignoring the invisible knife buried deep in his ribs. Because what you got ain't bothering me all that much. He was the last one back to the huddle. Pine stood there, hands on hips, glaring at him as he walked around to the back of the huddle and took his place. Are you finished catching up on old times, Quentin? Hey, man, he's the one who started talking shit. I was just... Just nothing. Shut your fucking mouth and get back in the huddle, you got hey, it? Hey, hey, I'm not going to take this shit. He's... Quentin, shut up. Jesus, you purest nation guys don't ever stop running at the mouth. Next play, you get your ass back to the huddle and don't say a word. You got that? Quentin started to protest one more time, then closed his mouth. He was furious that Pine was talking to him this way, but it was Pine's huddle. Pine looked at the sidelines, then shook his head. No, no, no. Let's keep it on the ground. An unheard voice said something to Pine. He nodded towards the sidelines and turned back to the huddle. Okay, we pounded up the middle for enough now. Let's mix it up. Why said screen right pass. Quentin, maybe this time you could actually run with the ball instead of pussyfooting to the line so they can smack you around like their little bitch. Quentin's eyes widened with rage. What the fuck are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. We'd have this game wrapped up if we had fed. Hell, even you sued. But all we got is you, you lazy backwater asshole. Without thinking, Quentin pushed his way forward to slide between Kiloyoet and Shota Thicket, who were right in front of him, bent down so the players behind them could see Pine. Quentin raised his right fist to swing at Pine, but two sets of hands and one set of tentacles grabbed him from all sides and held him back. Hey, now. Pine held his hands out, palms up, that shit-eating, arrogant grin on his bloody face. Are you saying you want a piece of me, you spoiled little racist bitch? The word seemed to slip into Quentin's brain like a branding iron. He jerked against the hands holding him back as the huddle shifted and broke apart. You want to fuck with me, Pine? You motherfucker! He started to break free. From behind, a strong arm wrapped around his neck and squeezed, lightly, just enough for Quentin to feel the pressure on his windpipe. Just enough to know he'd pass out if the arm tightened further. 
Stop this now, Tom Perilous said quietly. I let you go. You run the play. Deal? Quentin nodded, or at least moved his head. Really couldn't nod with Perilous's thick arm wedged around his neck and under his chin. What's going on there, chick? The Krakens look like they're fighting in the huddle. Well, Massara, it looks like tempers might be flaring. Can we get a close-up of Barnes' face? Now run it in slow-mo. You want to see if you can tell what this argument is about, right, chick? You got that right, Masara. Look at this guy. He's as wide-eyed mad as a Brahma bull getting a three-pound suppository. Hold on. Let me see what he's saying. Well, it seems that Quentin Barnes had a few choice words. He said... I think the viewers have a good idea of what he said, chick. Yes, but he called Donald Pine And we're back to the action on the field. The Krakens are lining up in an eye formation with Haywick wide left, Scarborough wide right, and Kobayashi at tight end. You have been listening to The Rookie, book one of the Galactic Football League series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on the author and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon, superweaponband.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 